Hi everyone, I'm John Offord. I'm a broadcaster based in the UK and welcome to Different Minds, a podcast series that looks at neurodiversity, the different ways our brains can work and interpret information. Today we're going to talk about dyspraxia. I'm honoured to be joined by Jake Hobson. Uh, Jake is a trustee for inclusion and diversity for the Dyspraxia Foundation. Jake, how are you today? Great, thanks so much. How are you? I am good, thank you. Yeah, on my third coffee, but I'm good to go. <laughs> so, Jake, tell us, tell us, how has 2020 been for you so far? Um, a whirlwind, if I'm <laughs> honest, um, especially within the inclusion and diversity space. Um, I think this year's really hit home the, the, the glue of inclusion and the need for it, of, of inclusion, is even more critical than it ever has been and so yeah it's been a busy old year so far absolutely absolutely and an extraordinary one at that hasn't it (laughs) (laughs) so jake just tell us what what do you do for a living uh i a full-time i'm a a diversity business partner for a technology organization um uh, and also trustee for dyspraxia foundation which is what i'm speaking to you today about Brilliant. And you're based in London in the UK, is that right? Yes, correct. Yes. Brilliant. So that's given that we're doing a podcast about dyspraxia, maybe you can tell us what actually is dyspraxia? Good question. So um, dyspraxia, uh, or more recently, has been known as um, Developmental Coordination Disorder, or DCD, um, uh, literally means problems with movement, and is often caused by the area of the brain that processes movement and um, 3D thinking being just less active. And it's highly associated though with um, verbal, uh, high verbal abilities. So people with dyspraxia tend to be very good communicators. Other strengths around are really good at problem solving, um, high empathetic people, um, lots of tenacity and creativity that kind of comes as part of the condition. We don't have exact stats because I think there's, um, as we have sophisticated in our journey, we recognize that some of the testing systems um, may not necessarily diagnose everyone in the same ways. We we see that um, historically uh, men have, it's been more prevalent, but that's because we may have been able to identify that actually some of the testing has favoured male thinking patterns and styles and, and the gender roles that play into that. Um, but it estimates about one in 10 people um, and it's lifelong. So I am somebody who um, was diagnosed with dyspraxia when I was nine years old. Um, and it was quite a crude diagnosis that they put you through. It's um, how, uh, how uncoordinated are you based upon other people of your age? And if you get a score of 35% or lower, you are dyspraxic and I got a score of just eight and a half percent. So really quite a a severe uh, diagnosis, I guess, uh, at the time. But I think we've become a little bit more sophisticated. Our our knowledge um, has improved um, over time. And I think the ways that we start to assess it have also matured. And I think we're also really bringing out the concurrence around it's never just dyspraxia. There's usually elements of other conditions which which play out. And that's what makes it really difficult to identify, really, because it's not like you have type 1 diabetes and then off you go, because it's it's nuanced and it's deeply personal to 
the, the prevalence of different types of conditions mm. as well as um, how, that, how the coping strategies of an individual person has developed over time. Yeah. So is it true that individuals with dyspraxia often have language problems and, 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 and maybe sometimes a degree of difficulty with thought and perception? Yeah, can do. Not as, and it's not all the time. And I think that really kind of boils down to um, the difference between coping strategies and how the condition manifests itself. Mm -hmm. um, some people can experience verbal dyspraxia. Um, some people, like myself, I, that's not something that I've particularly experienced. Um, and you've also got the overlapping with other conditions like dyslexia, autism, ADD, ADHD, um, Tourette's, all of these things that, that fall under this, this, this kind of category of neurodiversity yeah. uh, in its, its umbrella sort of term in terms of a condition basis. Um, and so I think it's a very much on a one-on-one, -on -one. Mm. Um, but there are some challenges, right? You know, um, for people with dyspraxia, some of those other challenges can be managing time um, and organizing, right? Just general time, speed, and distance is kind of the yeah. buckets that I would, would think around um, how to follow instructions and that processing uh, piece um, on, on prioritization. And because um, the uh, dyspraxia affects movement, learning um, equipment or new processes can be quite difficult. Learning a car, riding a bike, walking, they're all some of the telltale signals when I was a child yeah. that actually there was something that wasn't like other children. So you mentioned autism then before. So is dyspraxia a form of autism? They are very different, but there is overlapping. And I think that's important to say. You, you may have somebody who has dyspraxia. You may have somebody who has autism. They could have some of or none of. Um, so it is individual uh, to, um, to that, but they are, they are very separate conditions. So I guess you could say autism is primarily a social and communication disorder, whereas dyspraxia is possibly a, a motor skills disorder. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and similarly with, you know, dyslexia being um, about uh, words um, as a kind of overarch, bit crude, but um, yeah, you know, it's, it's really focused on that. So you've already touched on this before in terms of the signs of dyspraxia. You, you talked about, you know, one of them being trouble learning new skills. And um, I just wonder if you could tell us about a few of the other ones that, 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 that people with dyspraxia might, might have in terms of like, is fatigue one? Um, no, it's, not a, it's not a direct yeah. um, sort of symptom, if yeah. that makes is the right word, yeah. uh, of dyspraxia. But actually... Um, because of the way that the processing speed of um, and how the brain is wired in essence, fatigue is something that can be a byproduct because we're having to do a lot more processing of information, having to read a lot more kind of between the cues and trying to, to manage lots of those parts. So whilst um, the, the conditions itself and how it manifests, fatigue isn't a part of it, um, it can be a component part as well. Yeah. So what about um, poor hand-eye coordination? Absolutely. Definitely a condition. <laughs> it's right. definitely a part right. of, um, of that. Uh, and that's part of the movement aspect. Um, and it comes back to the time, kind of time, speed uh, and distance. Um, trying to judge on how 
fast the ball is coming towards you and how quickly it's going to come and then yeah. having to move work get my body to move to catch that ball it's usually yeah. quite uh clumsy probably yeah. is the right word so you mentioned about your diagnosis so I just wonder if you could just tell us a bit more about that and how that diagnosis came about and more importantly how, how did you feel after you were diagnosed with dyspraxia? I was really young if I'm really honest with you um, I am in my mid-30s now so I've had the the label of dyspraxia for an, a number of years um, and when I was younger, I'm, I'm my mum's first child, so she never had anything to benchmark her children against, right? And some of the things I was, I, I wasn't able to crawl. I almost um, army commando, arm in front of arm, but didn't really move my legs. If I, if you can imagine how that worked um, in terms of my crawl, uh, so there was that, and I didn't necessarily pick up some things. And it was really when I got into the school environment where it exacerbated um and because there was a benchmark right there's 30 odd kids in a in a classroom they're all focused and here i am not really paying attention <laughs> if one is um, easily distracted my mind's all over the place i'm struggling to pick up with prioritization and some of the kind of other side of it i'm particularly clumsy um falling over all the time couldn't do my shoelaces there's all of these things that other kids could do and so the school started to question to say is there something is there something that we need to think about um and they they originally went down the route of um maybe dyslexia because dyslexia is known right it's it's been known for a really long time and um that they were seeing that there could be some some similarities but they, they weren't quite sure so um went for uh, a referral to kind of an occupational therapist in some respects um who did some assessments and and used those um tools which were quite crude um right. at that time um you know they were very much around balance on this beam and climb up this rope and do these things um to kind of test how i did certain things um and thankfully things have matured now but it's difficult now for people um to get that diagnosis and it, if you're an adult particularly um but i remember when my parents said you know you have dyspraxia my initial thing was am i going to die uh because i'd never heard of it and yeah. for a, a nine-year-old it sounds like a really scary condition um yeah. and you know it's it's the part of the language and i think the benefit that i've had is is that i I, I was diagnosed with being so young that actually I've been able to um, really start to think about, well, how does it work for me, right? What are, what, what is it that I'm really good at and how does that play out into my adult life? Um, and that's why I do the work that I do because it requires a lot of creativity, um, a lot of problem solving, a lot of empathy, you know, speaking mm. to people about, experiences of racism or sexism um, or any form of discrimination on the day-to-day -day takes its toll and you, I think you need to have that as well and that's really kind of why one of the ethoses that, that we have at the Distractive Foundation is around really focusing on your strengths right let's not focus on what you can't do yeah. let's focus on what you bring to this and what you're um, what, what you're good at and and to really develop on that as well. So just tell us some more about the work that you do with the Dyspraxia Foundation. Absolutely. So um, 
the position's been newly created in April. And so for the last kind of six months or so, I've really been understanding um, what's, what's going on within the Dyspraxia Foundation and, and, and what is it that maybe we need to start to, to think about and talk about um, in the wake of the Black Lives Matters movement that started in the US. Um, we really started to look at ourselves and say, well, as, a, as an organisation, are we representative of the communities that we serve? Um, because we are a national charity um, and we want to make sure that we're doing that. Um, we're starting to think around, okay, well, how do we as a charity make get some more robust insights around is there prevalence or greater prevalence in certain communities than others? Um, and really focusing around, um, you know, our policies and procedures and how we work as, an, as, as a charity to um, foster greater inclusivity um, and awareness of dyspraxia um, in the day-to-day -day because it's, it is as um, prominent as dyslexia and yet it's as no, nowhere near as understood. I just want to go back a bit. So do you know actually what, what causes dyspraxia? There's, there's no, not been any research. Um, they, there's hypotheses, which is, and, and the learnings come from, from some of the other neurodiverse umbrella conditions um, really focused around, you know, is it genetic? Is it um, uh, how the brain's developed? We, we don't, truly know um if i'm honest with you and it's and i think when we do find that um it might help to kind of help solidify but what i really fear is um the 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 medical model of disability mm. wanting to try and fix the neurodiverse people when actually it could be a genetical thing and if it is then there's a genetic advantage for having those particular strengths. And I just really am yeah. fearful about how um, the, the medical world mm. explores that because I think it's a real value, right? How Absolutely. I think differently and how other people think yeah. differently um, as well, right? It's about Absolutely. that cognitive diversity. Absolutely. And that's what my podcast series is about, is about celebrating that our, we all, our minds all work differently and, and looking at our strengths. So I absolutely can completely relate to what you just said there. And again, the irony is my next question, again, you, you think about the, the wording and use of language. And, you know, the question was, what treatment is there for dyspraxia? But obviously the word treatment suggests that it's something that needs to be cured. But I just wanted to know, I know that um, with dyspraxia, often cognitive therapy is, is, is often used. I just wonder what your thoughts were around that. So I think it, again, is that there is no treatment and which I'm in some respects I'm, I'm thankful for. Yeah. Um, I think it's important that for the individual, dyspraxia is a very real and can be very um, challenging to, to navigate the world, but that's not because of the person, that's because the world isn't set up to facilitate everybody in the same way there are things that can be done so when i got my diagnosis a lot of my dyspraxia was really focused around um spatial awareness improving muscle tone uh, coordination and i went through a lot of kind of um sort of physiotherapy in some respects um yeah. uh, i used to go and like to basically to a um a climbing range in some respects and like climb up walls and do things like that but what I really found is in the adult, as I've kind of become more senior, is actually 
um, the coping strategies is yeah. where it's really, really important. Um, mm-hmm. And the relationship with your, your manager, if you are in such a position, um, or, or people that you work with, that's, that's where the real, for my own personal experience, is where mm-hmm. the real differentiator is. Um, people with dyspraxia can struggle mm-hmm. to I, I articulate what is, what is it that I need? How does that work? Because we've, this is our lives, right? We, it's, it's not like we've an acquired a disability and there's something has lost and then we're suddenly disabled. Yeah. We've, we've lived this world. And so really it's around helping to identify um, if you have dyspraxia or you know someone that is helping to, and working on, on what is it that you find um, energizing? And that's probably a strength. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. the stuff that you find difficult, that's probably a weakness. But identify, is it a weakness because it's not in your normal, um, it's not in your kind of everyday strengths? Or is it actually mm. there's a barrier? Um, and working through that is really important. Um, mm. You know, some examples of, of things that work well for me is, is that I plan my week Wednesday to Wednesday, right. not Monday right. to Friday. Because yeah. on a Sunday night, I want to be able to come in and really focus on the job rather than necessarily being in a place where uh, I have to do that planning on, on a Sunday night fear and then into Monday and I've lost half the day. Yeah. Um, other things around when someone says, can I get this by close of business? I work for a big tech organization that doesn't shut. So is it my close of business? Is it Asia in Singapore's close of business? Is it Brazil's close of business? Yeah. Who yeah. knows? Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's really good. just enabling those specific conversations in some respects. If you could just give us some examples of uh, some of the some of the, the challenges that you might face then, because obviously uh, I hear that activities that require balance can sometimes be tough, a tough challenge for some people with dyspraxia, like, I don't know, playing sports or learning to drive uh, or even like writing a birthday card. Yeah, so I guess it's kind of the twofold. There's what I would class as your fine and gross motor challenges. Yeah. Um, and that's how you get your body to do what you want it to do. Um, and that could be a challenge, right? You know, I am infamously known for having bruises and cuts and just generally looking like I'm a bruised peach on a day-to-day basis. Um, so that's part of that's part of that. Um, but really it's around some of the core skills which really for me is around if we can provide those skills to people or or coping strategies to um, support people and they can be things like time management they can be things like prioritization creative thinking working memory Um, so sometimes known as your short-term memory how many things can you remember to do um, in any given moment the amount of times that i walk from I, um, my my front room to my bedroom, which I'm living in a flat and it's just next door, and I've forgotten what I'm going to do because I've got I haven't got the the, the capacity to kind of memorize as many things that I need. I'm thinking through. Um, uh, There's some of the things that, that that can be challenging, but I think it's important to say that it's not everybody, and there'll be varying degrees, as with everybody, right? When we're thinking about yeah. different levels of strengths. So it's really on an individual basis on how that, that manifests. 
How do we raise awareness of what dyspraxia is? I mean, I just wondered what the general public's understanding of what the, the condition actually is. And, 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 and how do you debunk, debunk some of the myths around the condition as well? So, good question. Um, dyspraxia hasn't had its time like dyslexia or autism has, and that's just a fact of, of where it is. And that's why the Dyspraxia Foundation, we're here to do some of that work. Um, I don't know whether you saw in Doctor Who, uh they they did consulting with us around how do we get this this person to talk about this and what's some of the language right but that's a drop in the ocean um there are celebrities out there daniel radcliffe um for example who's somebody who has dyspraxia um but the thing is is that it's it's not it's not particularly known and also we've had this um Bumpy journey is, I would probably say, and I'm having to think about the words right now, um, where originally in the 70s, we were, it was called clumsy child syndrome. And actually, that doesn't, that doesn't work, right? We then have had dyspraxia. Now we're on DCDs. We've got all of these different phraseologies, um, which causes it a challenge around how do we brand and position the awareness of the condition when it's got these these legacy titles for it um that's there and i think that's part of part of the challenge that that we have um and it's really opportunities around speaking with you um to to talk about dyspraxia what does it mean what does it not mean um and it's also around people who have dyspraxia as well for me is is that it, there's an element of role modeling that you have to to do, um, not necessarily have to, but it's, I see it as part of my responsibility. Um, and actually I've spoken to a number of people, even in my organization about my role at, at the foundation. And people have said, I think my son, or I think I could be, and they've gone down a journey around actually, there's been this piece of the puzzle where they've lived their lives and they have had great careers, or they're living their lives and there's a family member impacted. And it's those moments that are critical around raising that awareness. But, you know, we haven't had a, a huge moment. What support is out there for anyone thinking that they might be dyspraxic or they maybe have a, a family member or friend that they're wondering whether they have dyspraxia? Well, first step, come to the Dyspraxia Foundation. We have a, an advice line that we're still able to run, even though um, it's COVID times. Uh, we, we, we still have that. We have a number of resources on our website available. Um, a lot of them are free um, for you, um, but you, some of them require membership. Become a member with us, right? Um, you know, it's, it's extremely affordable because um, we want to make sure people are having access to the right resources. Speak with your GP if um, you need to, and you feel like you might want to have a diagnosis done. Um, we, but we do know as a foundation that it is particularly difficult for adults with dyspraxia to, to get access to that um, diagnosis. If you are in work and you are an adult, there's a couple of things that you, you can do. So within the Equality Act, there is no requirement to evidence that you have um, uh, a diagnosis in any way, shape or form is the impact of the condition that we need to provide the, the adjustments for. Um, and so that's a really important thing to flag, right? If you need to do professional exams, then you will need a diagnosis, but your employer, if you don't have a diagnosis, should cover that because it's a requirement of the 
job in some respects, but um, access to work as well is a really great platform um, and an opportunity. It's not uh, perfect, but there is resources out there as well to kind of get some of that more practical support that you might need on a day to day. Thank you. And one final question, Jake. And this is a question that I ask all my guests on my podcast series. So what advice would you give your younger self if you had the opportunity to do so? Uh, Be kind. Focus on your strengths. Don't listen to people who don't believe in you. Wow, absolutely. So true. Well, well, Jake, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate speaking to you and keep up the, the, the good work that you're doing in, in, in celebrating our differences and kind of demystifying uh, some of these conditions. So uh, yeah, I really appreciate your, your time today. Thanks so much, John.